0: Today we're going to uh, come to Jonah chapter 4. We're going to finish the book of Jonah today. It's about getting angry with God. Do you ever get angry with God? Do you ever complain to God? The psalmist did. The prophets did. It may be healthy for you to be honest with God, but... Um, But you don't have to do everything, for example, that Jonah did. So we're going to have an example today of arguing and being angry with God. In 1994, the world observed horrific events in the small country of Rwanda. Some of you have heard about it. Some of you remember it well. Between April 7th and July 15th, 1994, An estimated 800,000 people were brutally murdered in Rwanda with guns and machetes and every possible instrument that would cause great bodily harm. The civil war in Rwanda between the Hutu people and the Tutsi people became a genocide. It was fueled by radio propaganda racism and discrimination it it included extreme brutality and violence it included rape and attempts to spread hiv among women the focus was the hutu majority seeking to exterminate the tutsi minority ifigenia mickand tambana saw her husband and five of her children brutally murdered right in front of her eyes. Sometime later, one of those men who had murdered her husband and children was arrested, and he was tried, and he was sentenced to seven years in prison. Why seven years? He was considered a lower level criminal. Upon his release, he was instructed to confess publicly to the nation of Rwanda and to confess and ask forgiveness to the individual families of the victims. Four years after this man's release, he approached Infigenia Mukantambana, who had lost her husband and five children. Infigenia responded with grace. And she extended him forgiveness she told CNN later I am a Christian and I pray a lot and she explained that she was not able to bring back her husband and her children from the dead and that there is a point where you have to go on living and move forward as of 2008 Infigenia and her family who had forgiven and reconciled with one of the killers of her family were sharing meals family with family because of forgiveness and and the possibility of reconciliation. This is a very profound act of forgiveness, isn't it? And perhaps there are not many people in this room that could do that. Maybe none of us really could. Jonah, in chapter 4, is in a different place. He is in Nineveh, and he didn't really want to go there. At first, he refused, remember, but, but God captured him, and he put him back on course. Jonah didn't want to do what God had asked him to do. And so Jonah ran from God and he headed in the opposite direction and he went 2,500 miles. He was headed 2,500 miles in the opposite of direction. But God used Jonah to accomplish an amazing work for God. Uh, one of the most amazing works of God in all of history, when an entire city humbled themselves before the true and living God and they turned to God to be saved. But that makes Jonah angry. And uh, we see this in verses one through four. He has this angry response in verse 1. But to Jonah, this this seemed very wrong, and and he became angry. Jonah didn't like how God had handled this. Uh, This time, God got it wrong. Um, God did not meet up to Jonah's expectations. Jonah wanted a different outcome, and this has made him angry. Uh, The Hebrew idea here is... uh, He was very angry. He was, in fact, hot under the collar. He was burning. That's the idea burning with anger. And God has simply just disappointed Jonah. Verse two, we have Jonah's passionate prayer. He prayed to the Lord. We might say he pouted to the Lord. Uh, isn't that what i said lord when i was still at home back in israel this is what i tried to forestall by fleeing to tarshish jonah didn't want to see it and 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 he he's revealing why he ran off in the first place because he didn't want to be involved come on god i told you isn't that what i said Now, what Jonah says next is very insightful. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who uh, relents from sending calamity. Now, Jonah is smarter than he looks right now, but it's not going to last long. He knows what God is like. I'm guessing he knows what God is like in these truths than a lot of us in this room. He knows that God is gracious. He knows God is compassionate. He knows God is slow to anger and that he is abounding in love. And he knows John. that God can change his mind about bringing judgment. Now, Jonah has experienced and he has observed and he has read in the Old Testament scriptures that God is compassionate toward his people and that God has forgiven the people of Israel and God has shown his covenant love to the the nation of Israel. And, and he is indeed slow to anger and that God could have given up on Israel a long time ago um, and he knows that God has forgiven his people in fact because God is compassionate and gracious and forgiving Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh for that reason because they didn't deserve to be forgiven That would not be a good mission to go to Nineveh because they're really violent and bad people. They are very immortal and they're totally caught up into idols. They don't deserve God's compassion. They are not from Israel. Now, how how did Jonah know that God was so gracious and so compassionate? How did he know that? Well, He knew Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And this is uh, an extremely important passage in the Old Testament. And, you know, Exodus is a part of the books of the law. This is one of the books of Moses. And all of God's people growing up would have learned this passage. And God is revealing himself to Moses. And he passed in front of Moses literally proclaiming this is god speaking the lord the lord the compassionate and gracious god slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness rebellion and sin jonah knew that so well and this is such an important passage and You know, maybe you've heard about this, but this is just absolutely essential about who God is. This is how he has revealed himself. It's such a big deal that God repeats this 12 more times in the Old Testament, sometimes using slightly different word form. But this is how God revealed himself. But there's the last part. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents up to the third and fourth generation. God does not let the guilty go unpunished. This is about justice. And this is something that Jonah thinks he's got the corner market on. Jonah knows justice. And Jonah knows when God should bring justice. Um, Jonah knows when God should punish the guilty God is a just judge That's perfectly clear in the Bible But here in Nineveh, God messed up And that's what what's what got Jonah so out of sorts God should have killed them all because they are guilty Jonah continues, verse 3 Now Lord, take away my life for it is better for me To die than to live. Oh, that's so sad, Jonah. Um, He is unhappy and he is disappointed with God. He has, he's so hurt. He he has lost his reason for living. Life is no longer fun. For Jonah, it's time to quit. And Jonah wanted to die. Remember, Jonah wanted to die in the storm. He's the guy who lives life to the fullest. And, and his emotionally he's, he's all over the board he wanted to die in chapter 1 because of the storm now he wants to die because God has disappointed him um, he didn't get his own way so we come to verse 4 now God the great psychologist enrolls Jonah in a therapy session God, the great psychologist, look at verse 4. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? Here, God is gracious, God is compassionate, God is slow to anger with Jonah. Instead of rebuking Jonah with harsh words of judgment, God patiently uh, invites Jonah to reflect. Think about this, Jonah. Are you sure, Jonah? Have you really thought this through. Here's a question for us. What are some implications of God being compassionate and slow to anger? Have you thought about that? Well, there's this big benefit that he's gonna be patient with me and he's gonna be slow to anger with me and then I experience grace and I experience mercy and I love that. That's one of the great benefits. That's one of the great implications. There is another implication that maybe you haven't thought of, at least maybe you haven't thought of very much. If God is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger, one of the implications is we might have to put up with a little more evil than we would like. You ever think about that? We might have to experience evil in this life that we don't want to and we think it's unfair and we think our God should be just and keep that out of our lives in verses 5 through 9 Jonah's circumstances bring disappointment with God he, he's arguing with God and now he's, he's been angry with God now he's disappointed with God And so in verse 5, Jonah starts a camping ministry. He's camping out for God. Look at verse 5. Jonah had gone and sat down at a place east of the city. Jonah would have come into the city from the west side. Remember, it was considered to be a three-day journey uh, for Jonah going through the city. Um, There he made himself a shelter. So Jonah goes through the city, he goes on the east side of the city, and he gets away from the city, and he makes himself a shelter, a kind of a lean-to, a kind of a hut, you know, kind of things that it it reminds us of uh, what God's people did when they went through the wilderness for 40 years, and they weren't able to build homes, they had to camp, they had to camp out. And so uh, they would build these kind of lean-tos made of branches and kind of woven together, and they were not to last very long because they often didn't stay very long in one place. And so uh, they also established the Feast of, of Booth or the Feast of the Tabernacles to, to remind them of God uh, leading and provision during the wilderness wanderings. And so Jonah has quickly put up this, this temporary shelter because he's going to watch. You think about this, maybe, you know, Jonah's message, 40 days and God will destroy this city. And so Jonah maybe spends that three days. We don't know exactly how long. If he spent three days bringing the message, he's got 37 days now to wait. And so he's camped out and um, he's waiting to see what's going to happen to the city. He's waiting for God Will God bring judgment? Will God call down fire from heaven and wipe this place off? I want to go and watch. You know, Jonah could have gone back home. Maybe he wouldn't have heard what happened. He's just got to see what happens. Maybe the earth will swallow up the city. Maybe an earthquake. Or maybe there'll be some kind of tornado that will come in and just blow everything away. But Jonah, he camps out, he's not, he's far enough away from the city in case God does follow through and judge, he's still going to be okay. So Jonah's waiting outside of the city and we come to verse six and he's, he's experiencing happiness in his good circumstances. By the way, 37 days is a long time to wait while you're living in a temporary shelter, especially in desert conditions when the, when the sun comes down and those, those uh, branches that you put up have lost their leaves and they've withered and died. And uh, we see in verse 6, so the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over... Uh, Jonah to give shade for his head And ease for his discomfort And Jonah was very happy about the plant Oh, life is so good Because Jonah was getting pretty uncomfortable in the hot sun And God sought to provide Jonah with comfort Because God is gracious and compassionate And God provided this leafy plant to grow up quickly. It was a God thing, and it wasn't, you know, uh, some of the scholars of, you know, what kind of plant was this? And, of course, we just don't know. Uh, Some have said it was a castor oil plant, and castor oil plants grow up in the area very quickly, 16 to 18 feet in one year. This is not one year. This, this has a supernatural start and a supernatural growth, and it grows up big enough to provide some protection from the sun for Jonah. It was, it was like the great fish. It was a supernatural event. God sent this, uh, this leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah, and, and that made Jonah very happy. Jonah Jonah was in happy circumstances as he waited. He he liked this new, improved, uh, comfortable situation that he was in. But we go on to verses 7 through 9, and we see Jonah experience some disappointment in difficult circumstances because Jonah's circumstances are changing. Look at verse 7, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant and so that it withered. This was a God thing. God caused it. God did this intentionally, and He provided this worm. And you know we want to look for a technical definition of what the worm was, and the, and the word is way too broad to actually for sure say it was a a worm it could have been some kind of a grub some think it could have been some kind of a weevil it doesn't really make any difference the point of it is it caused destruction to this plant uh, almost immediately and it withered and it shriveled up and the sun came through and it was hot again very hot not only that verse 8 when the when the sun rose God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. And Jonah just gets more miserable. God did this intentionally. He provided this scorching east wind. It's called a Sirocco uh, in in, in the Middle East. It is sent... It is said that a wind like this can quickly raise the temperature in the area six, uh, something like 16 to 20 degrees. And it re- reduces the humidity drastically. And these, situ- this, these circumstances can be dangerous. And Jonah was in trouble physically. He grew faint. Jonah was facing a mini health crisis In a very short period of time. And he wanted to die. And he said, It would be better for me to die than to live. Jonah just now wants to give up. He's so discouraged, so disappointed. He wants to quit. He's just unhappy with all of his depressing circumstances and he would rather die. But verse 9, but God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry? about the plant. Jonah. And again, God is so gentle and patient as he talks with Jonah. Jonah, are you, are you sure about this? Are you sure you want to be angry? Is your comfort really that important, Jonah? And he said it is. I'm so angry I wish I were dead it's just like you were when you were a child going through a temper tantrum and maybe you wouldn't do that but your children perhaps he tells God yes Lord that's right I'm right to be angry Because God you have been wrong Question for us Why is Jonah so angry with God? Well Jonah's anger comes from An imbalanced patriotic fervor A nationalistic pride Have you heard of that before? Uh, Jonah has this imbalanced patriotic fervor. Jonah sees God's job is to bless his nation, Israel, not Nineveh. They are not good enough. God's grace and compassion and patience should be directed at God's people who are Jewish and who live in a different country than Nineveh. They are more deserving. Jonah thinks God should be just a little more discriminating in who he is relents with in his judgment. God is not fitting into Jonah's theological box right now. Jonah's box for God is too small. Because what is Jonah struggling with? God is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. Yes, and God is totally just. God is a God of justice. And Jonah thinks he knows how God should practice these things. Jonah thinks he has a better understanding about these things than than God does. So now we're going to listen to God in verses 10 and 11. And Jonah hears about God's priorities. And we first begin with Jonah's priorities from God's perspective. And now God speaks to Jonah, verse 10. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. Jonah's been focused on his immediate circumstances Just because his circumstances made him uncomfortable. God says, "Jonah, you loved having a plant. You have having this plant that made you so happy for a while. But Jonah, it's not really your plant. Jonah, you, you didn't really do anything to get this plant to make it grow. It is God, the creator of the universe that made the plant. Jonah, you had nothing to do with it. God made the plant grow. God gave it life. And God took its life. then God continues. And we have a look at God's priorities in verse 11. And God says this. He said to Jonah, And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than a 120,000 who cannot tell their right hand from their left and also many animals so the book of Jonah ends with this question it is a question for Jonah it is a question for God's people it is a question for us Jonah as a creator God God is saying Don't I have the right to be concerned about the city of Nineveh? Jonah, you were concerned about the plant. You didn't create it. You didn't do anything to make it happen. I'm concerned about people. The people of Nineveh are important to me. And I created them. and I am gracious toward them and I can be loving toward them and I can be slow to anger toward them if I choose Jonah I love the Ninevites and I don't want them to perish and God refers to the 120,000 people and I mentioned earlier in the series that uh, for some scholars uh, this may mean that these are children uh, very small children, and and uh, they don't know their right hand from their left hand, and and which might suggest that the city was much much larger. Uh, Six hundred, eight hundred thousand people. Um, it might be more accurate that this is a reference to the Ninevites' spiritual condition. They don't know their right hand from the left hand. Uh, they are. Uh, ignorant spiritually they don't know their own spiritual condition they don't know the direction they are headed in in God the creator is even concerned about the animals of Nineveh he's the creator he made them question for us is this a picture of the church today Is the story of Jonah a picture of the church today? It was meant to be a picture of Israel, about God's people focusing on um, their own kind, God's people seeing themselves as better than others, God's people discriminating against others, God's people even being racist, God's people focusing on their uh, personal comfort, God's people more focused on their personal circumstances than the people in the, in the world who don't know Jesus. Is that a picture of the church today? It's a good question. Here are some lessons from chapter 4. The first one, God is extremely patient with our silliness. And uh, you probably already know that. God is patient with us. He's impatient with us. We are imperfect people. We are sinners. Um, We don't deserve His grace. We don't deserve His compassion or His patience. We don't deserve His forgiveness. God is extremely patient. God is patient. Are you a patient person? As you grow as a Christ follower, are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you a patient person? The writer of uh, Proverbs has an interesting insight. And remember, Proverbs are given to us to make us think. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 32. Better a patient person than a warrior. One with self-control than one who takes the city. That's an interesting observation. Now, warriors have a great value in wartime. Um, But we're not always in a war, and the Proverbs talks about wisdom here is it's a patient person is, is more pleasing to God than the warrior. The, the person with self-control is uh, more pleasing to God than the one who conquers a city. Jonah wasn't patient with God, and Jonah had no desire to be patient with the Ninevites. You know, you think about a warrior, very passionate, gung-ho. We oftentimes applaud that much more than we do someone who is patient. Second lesson, God is gracious and compassionate and does not always give people what they deserve. And of course, you already knew that because we deserve eternal condemnation. And God forgave our sin because of Jesus Christ dying on the cross and paying for the penalty for our sins. And and by faith, we enter into a relationship with God and experience God's love and his compassion and his forgiveness. Peter described the very same God that Jonah experienced. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness instead he is patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance if you think about it as we move forward in our world history Things might get worse in our lifetime instead of better. Will you be okay with God? God is being patient. And I don't pretend that I understand very much about God, but I know these things are true. And if God is patient, that may mean we're going to put up with evil a while longer. Will we be like Jonah, Jonah, ready to say, God, you're wrong. You, You must bring justice now. There's something wrong with you. Third lesson, God is okay with us when we need to process our anger with him. God is okay with us when it comes time to process anger with him. You know God was gracious with Jonah he allowed Jonah to process his anger uh, his disappointment he gave him time he gave him space and he let Jonah speak his opinions now the prophet Habakkuk also didn't understand what was God God was doing and we see an example of this in Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 so uh The prophet Habakkuk says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Where are you, God? I cry out to you violence, but you do not save. It doesn't seem fair. Why do you make me look at injustice? I don't like it, God. Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? It doesn't seem right. Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed. God's word is having no effect, and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. Habakkuk pours out his complaint to God. He pours out his anger and his disappointment about his situation. And, you know, I just want to tell you that we can be honest with God in our prayers as well. We can be honest when we don't understand. We can be honest when, when things don't seem to make sense to us because we're, we have a pretty limited perspective and we serve an infinite, all-powerful, all-knowing God. Now, if you want to know how God answered this in uh, Habakkuk chapter 1, I want you to come back because in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a three-part series on the book of Habakkuk and see how God answers. Fourth lesson, God patiently provides what we need to learn and grow. God was so patient with Jonah. Did Jonah learn? Because we end with this question, did Jonah learn? Well... I'm just going to give my opinion here, and that is Jonah wrote the book for God's people. Jonah was willing to expose his silliness and immaturity so that God's people could learn from this. And the answer is yes, I'm, I think Jonah learned. Question for us is, do we learn? Jonah wrote the book so God's people could learn God's priorities. The Apostle uh, Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, a passage that you may know well, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance going through hard things can can produce good things can produce growth perseverance perseverance character my my spiritual development my, my, my spiritual character I can become more like Christ because of difficult things like suffering and character produces hope this is all about spiritual growth and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God provides what we need to learn and to grow. And like Jonah, we may not always enjoy it. Lesson number five, and this is the last one, bringing it home. Sometimes, like Jonah... We are more concerned about our personal comfort than people facing eternal judgment. Sometimes we have wrong priorities. We get easily focused on our personal happiness because you know what? Pursuing happiness is an American right, isn't it? You're an American. You have the right to pursue happiness. We get focused on improving our standard of living because we can um, we we're upgrading to the next level because we deserve it. You know, we're, we're good people. We work hard. We deserve it. We like rewarding ourselves because in America we can. And all of this costs money, of course. But why else do we have it, right? Sometimes we can be more concerned about our personal comfort. Yet, when Nineveh repented, what was going on in heaven? I wonder, Luke chapter 15, verse 7, this is what Jesus said goes on when somebody repents. He says, I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 people like Jonah. Of course, Jonah needed to repent a little bit too. Why is this such a big deal? It's because lost people matter to God. God cares about people who are far from Him, who don't know their right hand spiritually from their left hand spiritually. The question for us is do we care? What can we do this week? What can we do this year? What can we do for a lifetime? You know what? We can all pray this week. All of us can pray for people who are in our world who don't know Jesus yet. If you're not praying for somebody, would you start praying for them this week? People that you know need to have a relationship with Christ. Some of those people maybe people you think don't deserve to have a relationship with Christ. Uh, Ask God this week for opportunities to represent him, to represent him with your words and to represent him with your actions. You are an ambassador for Christ. For some of you, God may be calling some of you to go to a place like Nineveh, like Jonah. Big question is, would you go? Would you go? And I can tell tell you for sure, all of us have been assigned to go. Maybe not Nineveh, but into our world that we live in right now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Jonah. There are many things for us to reflect on and to learn and to be reminded about your priorities. God, help us to uh, value your creation like you do, to love people and not things. to be willing to obey you. Thank you that you are so patient with us, that you are gracious, that you are compassionate. Thank you that you forgive. May we be encouraged by that. May we be empowered by that. May we choose to live our lives in response to you. We know that the greatest commandment in all the Bible is to love the Lord our God. And we know that Jesus said the way we show love is by obeying his commands. Help us take our following seriously. For Jesus' sake, I pray. Amen.